This week's episode of the Getting to Know podcast is brought to you by Nina Flex. Nina Flex is designed to help our salaried employees balance their personal and professional lives. We encourage employees to have a conversation with their manager about what flexibility means to them, given their specific roles and responsibilities. For more information about Nina Flex, please visit Connect. Hey, everybody, it's Mike Rickon. Thanks for joining us again today for another iteration of the Getting to Know podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by the Vice President and General Manager of our industrial solutions business, Mr. Vishal Rao. Vishal, thanks for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule. Happy to be here. I know there are a lot of people in the Nina population who have packed up the family and moved through the years. Many, many, maybe, you know, from one part of Wisconsin to another, perhaps. But I don't know that I've bumped into many people in my career, and certainly any people in my short time here at Nina so far who are as well-traveled as you are. So let's start there. Talk about your background, the places you've lived, and why you went from one place to another. Sure. The random walk of life and career. So I grew up in Mumbai. I was there in the same house uh, all through uh, my childhood and college. And then in my mid-20s, I was getting bored. I happened to bump into one of my father's friends who ran a business in New York. He said, hey, come join me. And so within five minutes over a drink, I accepted a job halfway across the world without knowing what the job really is. And we packed off. So 2001, I was in New York and then bounced around Washington, D.C. and Boston for a few years. And then finally landed in Atlanta. Met my wife and I said, okay, she's a local girl. She's grown up here. This is it. Right. So I have found my new place. We got married and within a few months I was asked to move as an expat with my uh, previous company Novellus and uh, we lived in Switzerland, then Malaysia, then South Korea over seven, eight years at which point uh, we said hey we need to find a home and set roots again and so we joined, I joined Nina and moved back to Atlanta in 2017 and we've been here since then. The longest time in one location. What were you doing for a living when you ran into your father's friend over a drink? I was a qualified as a chartered accountant or a CPA, and I was trying to get into radio. At that time, radio and media was really taking off in India, and I wanted to be in the business development side. So I was trying to find my way in, no luck. And of course, the day my flight was confirmed for the U.S., I received a small note in the mail saying, hey, we've I want to call you in for auditions. It's like, I don't want to be a radio personality. I want to be the back end. But anyway, that was my near miss with uh, celebrity. Interesting how life, when you go left instead of right, how different things could be, right? That's crazy. Now, I guess we can't give credit to your desires to be a radio personality for your comfort, what appears on the Getting to Know podcast. You seem very, very natural here. Maybe you could have gone that radio personality route. Perhaps. Well, it's in the family. My brother is a stand-up comic. That is his profession. Really? Um, so someone in the family can do it. My mother's a, a criminal lawyer, so she's also used to speaking. And like every parent, um, I heard a lot about what I should be doing and should not be doing. Gotcha. I'm sure. So back in Mumbai, you've got a mother who is, is still a criminal attorney. It's criminals and, and divorces. So it makes for an interesting dinner time conversation. That does, for sure. And then you have your brother cracking jokes about whatever it is she has to say down at the end of the table, right? Yep, exactly. 
Is it just you and the one brother or are there more siblings? I have a sister in Houston. She's a pathologist. She's a cancer specialist at MD Anderson. So she's taken the, you know, the preferred Indian mode of being a doctor. My brother went the opposite direction and I felt somewhere in the middle. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. So uh, your sister is at, if not the best cancer center in the world, at least, you know, someone who has an argument for that. Is that not right? I believe that's, that is the case, yes. Not being someone in the, in the profession, the medical profession, I think it's a pretty good place to be. That makes for very proud parents. And then your brother is, is doing stand-up comedy still in India, or where, where is he? He is uh, in India doing stand-up comedy in English. So it's a very small niche audience. Um, he was never the business mind in the family. He's followed his dream. He's also an accountant by training, like my dad, who has an accounting firm. So we did the accounting stuff and then decided it's great, it's very useful, but that's not us. And we did all kinds of crazy things after that. Got it. So if money was not an object for me, Vishal, I would do one of two things with my life. I would either study birth order, because I'm fascinated by like, where you are, especially when you get three kids. And I've got three kids myself, so that might be part of it. I'd study birth order or do something around the JFK assassination, but I think that's been done. And let's face it, you've met me. When I say study, I would hire people to dig into this and give me the cliff notes as, as to what they're finding. So where are you in the lineup? Are you the middle kid? Are you the oldest perfect kid? <laughs> I am the middle kid. Older sister, younger brother. So it's a very interesting place to be. And that explains a lot about why I am the way I am. I cannot tolerate a situation that doesn't require change. And I think that is one of the implications of being a middle child. Us middle children are either behind bars or, or doing some very fun stuff. That's part of what delivers my fascination for the birth order piece. So both of my parents are the middle children. My wife's a middle child. I've surrounded myself accidentally at you know work through the years with a bunch of middle children. I should be careful, but I don't think my kids listen to this, but my favorite child is my middle child. Now, that may change by the end of this podcast, depending on who does something stupid, but that is interesting for sure. So, Vishal, if you weren't doing everything that you can to drive full P&L responsibility for tapes and labels and abrasives and med pack, and money was not an option... Like I would do what I told you, what would you be doing? What would be different? I would probably be an architect. Yeah. I have a interest and fascination with structures and the way your personal space impacts your, your frame of mind. I almost went down that path and uh, I've always questioned since then. So that should be a place where I end up. So architect building nice modern high rises and, and uh, residential buildings. But instead... You're the general manager for our industrial solutions business. So tell the listening audience uh, a little bit about a day in the life of Vishal Rao here at Nina. Oh, that's that's a tough one. I don't think there is a typical kind of day except Mondays where we circle the wagons, do a check-in with the group, and then I have a few one-on-ones. And I took over this job in COVID, right? So the job has been behind the screen, which I'm hoping will change uh, very soon. But really, it is different every day. It's dealing with a different part of the business, commercial calls, lots of internal team stuff. I'm on calls negotiating procurement contracts as well in certain cases. 
And that's the fun part of the job. It's not the same every day. Like I said, us middle children don't like to do the same thing every day. So that's why it fits so well. What is the stuff that you look at ends up on your plate that feels like the biggest drag for you? Not much, actually. Whether it's a big problem or a small problem, I love jumping into it and understanding it. The challenge I'm working through currently is transitioning from essentially a, a true BU to more of a matrix organization, which is the transition we've been making over the last 12 months. And that requires coaching people on, on how to operate under a new framework. And that is not a drag, but as much as work that needs to get done. But, you know, it's a big change. Yeah, it is a big change for sure. So you love throwing yourself at problems, big or small. So what comes your way that gets you most excited? Like, how do you know, okay, today's going to be a good day because I'm going to get to go do this? Finding uh, opportunities at the intersection of customer needs and capital assets. So it's going for sales growth through capital investments. It's a fairly complex, uh, multi-dimensional problem to work through with various people in the organization. That's, that's my jam. If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about Nina, what would it be? Um, it would need to be our production assets. I would wave my wand and make our production assets, a production base, more modern and more cutting edge, faster, wider, more competitive machines, coding lines that can apply new chemistries. We're a manufacturing business. That's the heart of who we are. And uh, that's an opportunity for Nina going forward, right? So if we could do it tomorrow, that would be fantastic. Yeah. It might take away from your jam in terms of figuring it out. It may, might make it make it easier for you to figure out, you know, the, the, the commercial versus uh, the capital asset investments and so forth. But I, I agree, you're not the first person to mention something like that on the Getting No podcast here, but I, I, I would agree with you. Let's flip back over to the personal side. So your, you mentioned your wife is a native Atlantan. Is that, is that right? Or she just had, had lived here for a while or? She's been here since she was five. She has two degrees from Georgia Tech. So that's as native Atlanta as you get. I consider myself almost a native Atlantan. I moved here when I was like 30 something. So yeah, I, I totally agree. It's all relative. So two degrees from Georgia Tech, been here since she's five. How many kids are uh, in the fold? Two girls. Uh, Nana is almost eight and Anushka is six. How has COVID been with your girls at home? What have been the positives and what has been the most frustrating for your girls at home? Um, frankly, it's been generally quite positive in the sense that we've been able to spend more time with the family, you know, go on the family walks, or go to the pool. Uh, I think the, the only limitation that everyone had to deal with is you don't socialize as much as you would like to in person. And my kids are extremely extroverted. So I'm probably the most introverted in my family. And so for them to not be able to run down the neighborhood and play with kids was uh, something to get used to. Yeah. Now, you were born, it sounds like, in the same house, lived there up until university, right? Have your girls been in the same house since you came back to Atlanta? Are they all born in the same place or you guys moved around Atlanta? One was born in the U.S. when we were moving between Switzerland and Malaysia. The second was born in Korea, but they've been here in one house since we moved to Atlanta. That's right. So you said you came back to Atlanta with Nina. Is that right? That's right. That's right. That's right. So are you starting to see as, as you know, people are returning to the office in a lot of different companies, are you, you starting to see your commute get worse now uh, over the last couple of months? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. People are back. Life is getting back to normal, and that definitely includes commutes. It seems like my experience, too. Now, do you generally do podcasts back and forth, or are you silent, just kind of thinking through your day, or how, how do you handle the commute? Uh, news, typically. 
So the NPR or HP Bloomberg can add satellite radio and podcasts uh, on occasion. So it depends on the day. Commute time is quite valuable in the sense that we don't do newspapers anymore very actively. So news and seeing what's the latest out there. So I'm glad to report I am more current with pop culture and songs than my wife is. Nice. Very nice. Now, I don't think we've had a guest on the Getting to Know podcast who is a Harvard graduate. Now, a lot of people point out that Bowling Green State University, where I went to school, is like the Harvard of the Northwest Ohio, located on I-75 of the Midwest kind of thing. But that doesn't really count. You're like a real Harvard MBA, are you not? Yes, MBA, yes, not undergrads. It depends on what you call Harvard, Harvard graduate. So, yeah. I think I would consider an MBA from Harvard real, real Harvard. I think that might be the best kind of Harvard. So, you come over, land in Manhattan? In Queens, in Queens, in early 2001. Okay. With a very meager salary. That was fun. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Not out eating and drinking a whole heck of a lot probably back then. Very, very expensive with a meager salary. As we've talked about, I historically have worked a lot with outside consultants, Bain specifically. You come from McKinsey. Really great experience, in my experience anyway, the, you know, the people that get the training and the education and the experience like you do in a big management consulting firm like that bring some, some really great things and perspective to the table. What do you find that you most frequently tap into experience or training-wise from your McKinsey days in your role on a day-to-day basis? I would say the number one is synthesis. How do you communicate a complex issue in a few sentences? I think that is the most valuable skill set you build working for a top consulting firm. It makes you appear more clearer. It makes the problem clear to everyone so you can break it down and solve it and you don't get lost in the details. So I think that would be the number one and the most important toolkit one gets from consulting. That would be aligned with you know, a lot of my experience. I've been so impressed by people with your type of background being able to look at a fairly complex problem and quickly, as you said, kind of synthesize it into here, here are the three things that we need to do about this and then, then go get after it. So that, that makes a lot of sense. So you're living in Korea and you get a phone call about an opportunity with, with Nina and you're in the back of your mind thinking at some point I've got to get the family back to the Atlanta area. Right. Actually, we had confirmed we were moving back with my previous employer to Atlanta, but in a strategy role, which I wasn't in the mood to do at that time. And I had no idea who Nina was. So I said, hey, at least the similarity is you guys make stuff in roles that are custom made for customers. So let's give it a shot and, and see what you're about. I did see the website, which was frankly terrible. Still opportunities there, Vishal. I almost declined the interview because I couldn't quite understand what the company was about. Which is a perfect lead to where I was going with this, this question. So you didn't know a lot about Nina. You have a, uh, an uncanny ability to synthesize complex issues in a few sentences. Nina's far more complex as an organization than I anticipated it would be from the outside looking in. Would you A, agree, and B, how would you synthesize the story of Nina? Got it. Okay, so this was the unscripted question I was asked to watch out for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I agree. Um, It is a complex business. Um, I think if I were to put it all together, I think we are about uh, custom-engineered materials 
that are made to help our to be ingredients in our customers' end products. So it really is much the same as a metals business or a plastic films business in many ways. It is a materials science driven business, or I might call it an applied chemistry business. That's very helpful. If you could go back and grab that magic wand and identify a handful of capabilities that you would just overnight improve across the organization, what would those be? You're talking about on the asset side or? No, I would say, um, you know, for, you say we're a material science business or an applied chemistry business. So if you were looking at our ability to partner with customers, our ability to drive innovation, our ability to enable or automate our business, th those kinds of things, where would you focus most? I think first I would like to see us get bolder and move towards uh, addressing and taking bigger risks with our science or our asset base. So that's more a cultural shift that the company I think is going through right now. Certainly I would love to see us have assets that can do things, do more things than we do today, whether it's different coding chemistries or, or faster lines. That's an important element because that links to number three, which is innovation. I think the transition I'd like us to make is to recognize that innovation in our business, it comes at the intersection of the chemistry, the production method, and the customer need. And I think we're good with the chemistry. We can do better with the customer need, but having the experience linking it all to the production technology is one that we need to really work on actively. How optimistic are you that we're heading down the right path with those things? I'm optimistic. I think we talk about innovation now a lot more openly. I know there's an appetite to put in more capital back in the business. So I think it starts there, right? Here's something we ought to do. And now let's put um, the resources and talent, talent behind it. So I think we're walking in the right direction. I tend to believe the urgency is always very high for these things. So I'm probably an outlier there. Uh, but I think we're making progress. I think those are great points. And I think, you know, in terms of taking bigger swings, I mean, you, you even said it. I don't know if this is purposeful, but you said we're walking in the right direction. I, I don't know if you were implying that we're not running fast enough in the right direction. But I think that certainly our boss would agree. I think, you know, she wants to do everything faster for certain. What we're working on right now is building the organizational muscles to start delivering at a faster pace. You don't go from crawling to running overnight, and that's what we're working through. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There are just foundational elements that we've got to build out, and to your point, create create that muscle memory. I think there's a lot of pride and um, know-how and that value around make it happen. You feel that in the organization, and I think that's great. Historically, it feels like we've been a little more conservative in a lot of areas. And so I agree with and I'm aligned with your thoughts around taking some bigger, well thought out swings. So that's great. So when you are not trying to encourage us to take some bigger swings and, you know, driving the industrial solutions business, and you're not sitting in Atlanta traffic, and you're home with your three ladies, what do you do for fun? I am a racket sports guy. So I started with badminton. My parents were both national players. So we started there. I swim when I can. I captain our college swim team. And during COVID, I started learning how to play the piano. Really? Yeah. I'm at the point where I enjoy doing it. And I'll spend half an hour a day just, you know, plonking away at keys, uh, trying to make, uh, make music. Do you have a piano at home, I assume? Yes. 
Yeah. Did you before and you just ignored it or do your, do your ladies uh, play the piano or? I started taking my older daughter to piano lessons when she was four or five. And so I picked up some of the uh, basics from there. And then when she was ready to move on, I said, you know what? It's a great thing for me to do with you. So we both started uh, advancing our piano uh, learning together. Do you have a musical background at all? None whatsoever. Absolutely terrible. That was partly the reason. People say I can't do, so I'm going to go and try and do it. Has it been the challenge that you expected? Has it been more challenging than you expected, not having a, a background in music? Um, I didn't have any expectations. I just said, let's get on with it. And it's been more fun than I thought it might be. Is your daughter a better piano player than you at this point? Oh, she is, definitely. It's probably like languages, right? The, you know, easier to pick up when you're younger? Your learning agility is so high when you're young. And as you get older, all the studies say that becomes more and more challenging. Speaking of uh, learning agility, how many languages are uh, in the fold there for you, Vishal? Oh, not, not many. Not as many as you would think. So English is my primary. Hindi, which is the national language in India. I can understand and read Marathi, which is a regional language, uh, fairly well. I had embarked upon some Spanish, so I can read Spanish, you know, 30, 40%. Um, I can read Korean. I don't know what the words mean, but I can read it and tell you what it's supposed to sound like-ish. Oh, wow. Uh, and then German, I did for a couple of years. Uh, now, the, the challenge is that German and Spanish get mixed up in my head, so it takes me a, a few hours to separate those. <laughs> when you were in Switzerland, were you on, like, like Zurich, closer to Germany, or were you, like, Geneva, closer to... German side, okay. Zurich. Okay, that's right. gotcha. All right. is, that, is that where you were picking that up, or you had that before? Yes, so that was an option. I took it up. I was also managing a sales team in Germany. But they all spoke English. It was just more because you're there, you ought to give it a shot. I should be careful with this one because you are only one part of the decision-making process here. But with all the discussion around birth order, it's not lost on me that you have two daughters and you've embraced your role as a middle child. Is there an expansion of the family in the future or are we locking it down with the two two young ladies. It's locked in at two. There was a lot more effort than we had anticipated. Um, and uh, our hands are full already. So I think it's two and done. It is amazing what these people bring along with them physically and otherwise. Uh, you know, I remember just bringing a little thing home that could almost fit in a shoebox, yet they had so many things scattered about the house. And then they get to the ages of your girls, which is really where I think things for us started feeling crazy because they start doing things. They need to be in different places at different times. And I can totally understand that. You guys movie fans, TV fans, Vishal? Movie fan. Well, I'm a movie fan. I'm a superhero Marvel kind of uh, movie guy. All right. What is your all-time single favorite movie? Would it be a Marvel superhero kind of thing? No, those all pretty much uh, blend together. I like the movie Cinema Paradiso, which is a, an Italian movie. Um, it's a fantastic philosophy behind it. I watched it several years ago, um, and it's about a boy who was mentored by a blind, um, the guy who was in the movie theaters who rotates the reels, the camera operator, if you want to call it that. And uh, he fell in love with a girl who was leaving, and she left her number with the camera operator, but he did not tell the, he did not give it to the boy. And so the boy spent his life heartbroken, grew up to be a great artist. And so the, the, the lesson in that whole movie was that perhaps you need some suffering to achieve greatness. 
How do you bump into Cinema Paradiso? It was through some Italian friends in Atlanta 15 years ago. So just, you know, we decided to go for it and check it out. Gotcha. Any series that you you binged or got hooked on? Oh, yeah. Um, Gotham. I'm a big fan of origin stories because it takes the known storylines and they add creative, uh, you know, um, history behind it. So it's about why Batman became Batman uh, and why the supervillains became supervillains. So it's about how the craziness of society was a, a pressure cooker that made these extreme personalities happen. So I like that uh, intersection of known characters, but also some uh, psychoanalysis, perhaps. Yeah, I like that. Well, Vishal, at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we hit our guests with three specific questions. I'm going to hit you with those right now. And the first of those is around what is always at all times in your family's refrigerator. Definitely a variety of hot sauces or spicy sauces and red onions. Red onions for a variety of different applications like raw or cooked or to go into sauces or or what i eat them in every possible way but i eat a lot of raw onions along with uh, it goes well with indian food mexican food okay ish with everything and on the various hot sauces is that like a variety of different types of food so you got like a little tabasco a little salsa a little indian spice or what what is what's there I search the world cuisine for interesting hot sauces that will go with foods so we have all kinds at home. And it's because I'm the only one in my family who eats spicy food. So the food is fairly standard and I need to bring it up to my, to my uh, level of choice. Uh, amongst those who know you well, Vishal, what would you say you're most famous for? <laughs> I think you hinted at it early on. I'm most famous for telling it like it is. And uh, this morning I was on the Peloton and I heard my favorite instructor, Emma Lovell, talk about this. She says, if I tell you something directly, that's a sign of respect because I think you can handle it. And that's the way I operate. I think that's great. That's a great approach. I would agree. I did hint at that and, and, and I appreciate that. You, you do call it like it is. Last question for you, Vishal. What are you most looking forward to right this very moment? Being able to spend more time face-to-face with my teammates and customers. I didn't take this job or or this role to be stuck behind a computer on WebEx. And I think you can gain a lot of energy working together face-to-face. So that's really what I'm very excited that we're at the point where that's starting to happen right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as strange as it sounds and as basic as it sounds, a week or so ago, just walking down the hallway, I ran into you and Greg Burdick and you had a couple new couple couple other folks with you coming back from a customer meeting and it was exciting for me i mean there was an energy that kind of exuded from from you and the team and uh it it, it felt great and perhaps we lost sight of that pre-covid uh because we were just kind of doing it, it was part of the regular you know day and part of the grind but that's um yeah I, I i can't disagree with you there's not much more that i'm looking forward to than that myself so well, Vishal, I've enjoyed uh, spending time with you, getting to know you. I'm sure the audience is going to uh, appreciate you taking the time to spend with us on the Getting to Know podcast today. So thanks again for your time and look forward to working with you as we move forward. Thanks, Mike. Look forward to it. You bet. For those of you in the listening audience, thanks again for your time. And we'll talk to you again in two more weeks. Have a great week. Have a great week.